Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, and it is a wonderful blessing here in the month of March to be able to say that our Saints Network seminar here at the Father's Church in Dallas is going to be uh, in full swing one week from today. And um, the title of this gathering is Understanding the Times. And we strongly uh, suggest that those who are part of our Saints Network register for this gathering, whether you are going to be here in person or whether you'll be joining remotely through the live stream, um, we still would love to have uh, your your acknowledgement of your intentions uh, confirmed by registration. It won't cost you anything other than just a couple of minutes of your time, but please do that. And today, we are asking the congregation here in Dallas, as well as the Saints Network churches and uh, prayer groups and uh, individual intercessors to be in prayer that God would be able to accomplish what he intends through this gathering and that uh, we as saints would partner with him in whatever measures of intercessory agreement he requires and uh, we need to be in prayer for the individuals who are participating that we would all be strong and of one heart and committed and that we would not allow for any obstructions to keep us from giving our full effort to what God is requiring of us. You know, these seminars that we have here in Dallas particularly, there are two each year, one in March, one in September. During normal times, and we're about to enter back into not only normal times, but um, supernatural times, we, we've had other gatherings for it within other countries and within other locations in our nation each year. So the Dallas gathering was kind of like the the original, but we we had I don't, gosh I don't remember back in 2019 we had three or four external seminars plus other points of ministry throughout the year in addition to the, to these two, but I believe that this is a this gathering is uh, something that the Lord has ordained for us to step into a new measure of fellowship with him, but also it's positioning us for the going forward. And so we're praying today and through this next week that God would accomplish all that he wants. In the first place, why do we pray that way? Well, well, initially you have to the Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You have to make certain that your intentions before the Lord are put forward for him. You come boldly before the throne of grace. 
it doesn't just plop down to you. You've got to make every effort to show God that with your whole heart, you desire him. And so we're presenting ourselves for that purpose. But additionally, we're also interceding that those adversaries, the Apostle Paul said that the a great door exceeding is open to me, but there are many adversaries. Please pray. We need to pray that whatever adversaries the enemy may intend to throw into your path or to the path of this gathering, that those would be scattered or overcome. And um, we need to pray for individuals that the Lord would lay on our hearts. So that's our agenda. You know, last week we had an official gathering here where our people came to this house and we prayed that welcoming the Spirit of the Lord and welcoming the 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 pneumaticos, biblically ordained facets of what a church should be, asking God to fill this place with those things so that as people came, they would be find plenty. And we also, wherever you were, you were praying that God would do that in your location as well. That's wonderful. And we thank God for that. But today and throughout the remainder of this week, we are specifically asking God to move on behalf of what he wants to do at the gathering and how he needs to be moving on behalf of the people, the saints, who will participate with this in partnership with him. So that's where we are. Seminar starts next Tuesday afternoon. You can see the schedule up on the website. So I'm not going to regale you of it. And um, those of you who've been a part of this, you know what we're doing when. Tuesday afternoon and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even into Sunday. We're just going forward. So please register. And um, we intend to be we intend to be live streaming. I continue to ask the Lord as to what he wants us to do about that in future. Um, but right this time we are, we are live streaming the sessions. The only, the only thing that might be a bit different is the evening services because we're, we're going to be approaching them a bit differently. Yes, we will be utilizing our musicians. Yes, we will be utilizing our singers. But they will not be, this time, um, providing a, um, a, a worship playlist for the people at the beginning of the meeting. Uh, we'll just have to see what the Lord says as to how each of these nights play out. It'll be different. We'll still be prophetically ministering in song. We'll still be doing that. But how we're going to do it, I don't know. So how that applies to you, who may be tuning in, is that if we're having a prayer time at the beginning of the evening service, I'm not going to broadcast that. I'm not going to put that out where... All you see is people laying on their face or uh, anybody, wherever they're tuning in, can hear 
people praying in diversities of tongues, and they'll wonder, uh, you know, what the Apostle Paul said. It'll have no meaning to them, and it will. It, it it's kind of like showing, uh, casting our pearls out there. So we'll, we'll we'll come up with some way to be able to um, to let you know when we will be live streaming. Uh, someone suggested. And I, since I don't, I'm always on the other end of the camera, so I'm not, I'm not tuning in. But I've been told that you can pull up the website and just have, you know, the the, the meeting, the live will be there, and uh, when we actually start broadcasting, it'll come on. It would be helpful. If while you're waiting, wherever you are, you would actually be praying too. <laughs> now, for those of you who are watching it uh, in, on archive, you won't really have that problem because you will, you know, let's say you tune in for Wednesday night service in, uh, in Europe uh, on Thursday morning and you're tapping in the archive. Well, you'll just pull up um, when we start broadcasting. But you've you've got to know that those evening services have been uh, preceded, initiated with prayer. So, you know, it's good for us to do things differently every now and then. I mean, I think that the principle of the sila with the tabernacle, those folks in the tabernacle had no idea what David was going to be bringing down the pipe. They just had to be ready. And so that's, I think, one of the things that God's wanting to hone within us, strengthen within us, um, it's one thing to to minister prophetically in song, but it's another thing to be instant in season with that. And so we're we're going to offer that to the Lord, not by my design. Listen, it's much easier just to say, okay, worship team, you get up and you do what the Lord says to do for the first 45 minutes to an hour, and then... I'll come up. It's much easier on me to do it that way because it gives me a little bit of time to rest in the Lord after probably three or four sessions that I've either been teaching or, uh, you know, it's easier for me. So this isn't something that I said, well, you know, let's do it this way. It's going to be different for everybody. We'll have to be on our game and really go after the Lord. I mean, you see what I'm saying? So we didn't design this to to mix things up. We're we're doing it this way because I feel absolutely that this is what God's requiring. And so I'm excited about that. And the only reason I'm telling you this is that those of you who are tuning in remotely um if it comes around the time where the where it says service is supposed to start and we're not live streaming on those evening sessions. Don't start pinging Aunt Ethel and Uncle Scott and Pastor Fabian and five or six people you know that are in the service saying, what, what's going on here? <laughs> we can't get on. So anyway, I didn't intend to begin this teaching with that. But seminar time is upon us. We've got people arriving within the next few days, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do 
but we need to be in prayer that his will would be done, presenting ourselves and also asking that the, the fire of his burden would burn brightly in all the saints. And you, you want to talk about the day of miracles. If we could actually have that happen, that would be a miracle. <laughs> so, today, we're going to direct our attention to something that we have studied about in the past. And, uh, but I believe that it is a rhema for us today. So, we're going to bring it before the saints. And it has to do with a launching point, Romans 10, verse 15. And I'm going to suggest to you, there's no teaching sheet today, there's no outline. We're going to be going through three passages of Scripture, which encompass four, four references of this Greek word that's translated as beautiful. And so if you have your Bible program, hopefully... You can use any array, but hopefully you have acquired the Olive Tree Bible app. We're going to have a session next Friday afternoon that walks everybody through how to use that app and why we're trying to have a sense of continuity among the saints in, in, in times when we study together. But if you've not downloaded that, it's simple. Just go to your app store and pull up Olive Tree Bible app and download it. Um, but anyway, if you have that app or whatever program you've been using, go to Romans ten fifteen, and it clearly says a quote from Isaiah, verse 20. We'll, we'll, no, let's go with verse 14. How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, you could, as you study this passage, um, go through the progression of what Paul began in verse 14. Um, about um, how people receive the message, and and it really it really comes to a focal point with um, the word sent, s e n t, which is apostello, which is an ap apostolic calling. So Paul is really talking here about how apostolic messages go go forward. Um, and I remember being in, in growing up in the church and in Bible college, especially in Bible college, this was a passage that often would, the drum would be beat, you know, you've got to preach the word, and we do need to preach the word. But we didn't really believe at that time in anything apostolic, so we didn't dwell on how shall they be sent, which is the last thing Paul says. Before then, he quotes Isaiah and uh, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Now, we want to look at this 
word translated as beautiful. And we also want to consider where else it's used in the New Testament. And as I said, there's only two other places where this is used. Four usages. Two within one context. Does that make sense? This term was built off of the Greek word, which is translated as time. And um, in fact, it's interesting that when you talk about botany um, or, or anything to do with sowing and reaping, we call, we call that in a broader sense horticulture. And at the very beginning is this root word for time. And they recognize that if anything is going to grow, if anything's going to be sown and and put in place, it's going to have to be done in the right timing and then follow the pattern of time. So uh, this word, horeos, which is the word translated as beautiful, has as its root the principle of time. But it goes beyond that. In the ancient Greek world, uh, this term was used to describe something that was timely, something that was ready for a, dare I say, a breakthrough. It was also used to describe springtime. Springtime for saints. <laughs> but it, it, was, it was used uh, to, to really speak about a time of expectation where fruitfulness or um, the, sign, the, the signs of your planting beginning to burst forth for the eventual harvest. It's not the harvest. It's the, um, it's the message of it's time for growth. It's time for what you have sown during the time of the winter to begin to manifest itself. This word was used there. Um, it, it was used plentifully in, the, um, in the, the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament where the, 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 the Jewish people commissioned 70 scholars to put the Hebrew scriptures that they had into Greek because of the diaspora, because of the Hellenistic language that governed the known world. And um, this word was used as something that was needed and it was coming and something that was appropriate, something that was just perfect in its timing and in its in its quality. And so the the real measure of um the the feet with the gospel of peace functioning apostolically says that God opens the door and he says this is my season things are breaking forth now. Uh, we're we're going to talk to you because the Spirit has sent you here, us here. And that seed that God's prepared in you is going to begin to spring to life. And you're going to begin to see it manifested. 
the challenge that we have that we don't often talk about is that then you've got the growing season and that that has work too because you got to keep things watered you got to keep pests out you got to keep insects away and then you've got harvest and those are both busy times the winter might seem more dormant but it's the beginning it's the beginning now spring spring means a couple things it it means the time of sowing basically when the winter is ending but it also means that things that you have sown already begin to burst forth and show their leaves and show their buds so you have those two things happening and uh, it's it's almost like plowman and not not yes not yet reaper but there there are duties that you have with both of those so i think that we're i think that we're in that season now we've been sowing in the lord during this time where um things in some ways have been suspended and um you know we've all lived through it i don't have to describe it to you uh things have been suspended um and um but but now god's been talking about breakthrough he's talking about i'm going to do new things and i think that this this how beautiful really speaks about that time and we need to expect that emerging from the winter season which is the beginning season is um can be challenging um we got to shake off the doldrums you got to get back in shape you got to be done with lesser things and say it's time to get back it's kind of like I think in baseball, like spring training, which isn't happening right now. Well, I guess for minor league players it is. But um, the players back then who weren't paid that much when I was growing up, um, they had to get other jobs during the off season. And when it came time, okay, spring training is coming, they knew, all right, I've got to be done with that. I've got to get in shape again so that I can do what I'm supposed to do. That awakening of springtime, whether it's be for planting or whether it's getting ready to see previous plantings spring forth into life, that's what's meant by this. Now, if it's quoting Isaiah, and in the Old Testament, this word speaks about something that is beautiful, yes, but something that makes you feel complete or at home. And they contrasted the use of this word, like through the Song of Solomon and and other places, and it didn't just talk about the beauty of something. It, It talked about the legitimate fulfillment that would come by acquiring that or attaining that or marrying that. So there's the idea of something that is precious, something that is of high quality, but something that really brings fulfillment. You know, I don't talk about this very much. It seems like ancient history, but we've all, most, most people, I say we've all, but most people went through a time when either when you were adolescent or or whatever, and uh, you would 
you would see somebody that you were really attracted to just as a kid, you know? And the problem was that so often when you when you did get close to that person, if you had the chance to, you saw that beauty was only skin deep in a lot of cases. And that, you know, even spending a little bit of time with them showed that, eh, I don't really like this person. I don't like their company. Um, uh, and, and, and sadly, you know, when and as a pastor, when you would counsel people that were infatuated with one another and they were going to get married, you say, oh, just tap the brakes on this little bit. You don't even know them. You don't know what they're like. Beauty or physical attraction may be, may be an impulse, and it's powerful, but it may not be something that makes you feel comfortable or makes you feel fulfilled. And it's kind of like what Solomon wrote about living in a house with a contentious woman. It's like a water that just drips on your head all day. <laughs> and, um, you know, so beauty is really only skin deep. But the Old Testament idea of that word beauty, this particular word that Isaiah uses, which is then quoted in the New Testament, has to do with quality, something that is attractive, but something that brings fulfillment. And I want to tell you that the most fulfilling thing you will ever do in your life is pursuing the purpose that God put you on this earth to fulfill. And that is as a son, as an intercessor. And um, you you will then know. We've said this over and over again, haven't we? You know, when I first started to pray on my face before the Lord and really seek Him, I a lot of things in my life suddenly made sense. Things that I didn't know why I had this gift or why I, I felt this way. Suddenly, it was fulfilling. And that's what it is to to find the beauty in the Lord. And so this word, how beautiful in the New Testament are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is not tranquility. Peace, as we've studied in the past, is accepting a mission from God, going forth to accomplish it, and bringing back the sheaves, which is why Shalom was said, on the way out and on the way back. And um, so the gospel of peace is function. You put, you, you put on your feet the pr- preparation of the gospel of peace. You're, go- you're going out to war and to work for the master. And peace is not the absence of challenge. It's the meeting of challenge and the overcoming through the power of the Lord of that challenge. And, and so this... How being sent, apostolo, is really found here. You, you are, um, you are going forth wherever the f- soles of your feet tread. I give that to you, but you better be directed by God. And the beauty of it is that in the apostolic timing of God, you're you're going to see the go ahead for planting and for budding. 
And it's an exciting time. Um, you know, a lot of times people ask, well, what, which season do you like most? Well, I, I grew up in, in the northeast of our country, so I loved the fall. It was just, you know, in Pennsylvania, mid-August, it started getting cooler at night. And I loved the fall. It was just, there was a crispness in the air. Uh, the leaves began to turn, and it seemed like the hills were ablaze with the color of all the different leaves um, on the trees. And I, I just loved that. Um, the first snowfall was really neat. After we got some snow and it got dirty and it was piled up alongside the road and it was just cold and yucky, that really wasn't my favorite time. Um, but, you know, I, I, think that, I think that we remember the, the, the planning of the Lord where winter, the, the, the four major seasons indicate um, principle, a principle, and even if you are in a country that doesn't really have seasonal transitions, those principles are still there, where you have the first part of is winter. It's after the harvest. It's when the ground is resetting itself, healing, regaining its strength, arguably. And it seems like nothing's happening, and it seems like Things are just barren and dead, and people get depressed. They don't understand it. It seems like we're describing a lot of what we've been dealing with these past couple of years. But then God says it's time. It's time for this prep period to begin to transition. And we're going to go into the spring. We're most sowings, not all. I know that some some of you will say, well, but this is really sown at a different time of the year. Well, I understand that. But most sowings follow this pattern. And you, you sow then. You sow when this beautiful time comes. And at the same time, you're seeing, you know, the the, the buds on the on the on the leaves and uh, on the on the branches it's just a beautiful time but it signifies that the long winter has passed and now we're 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 not beginning but the process of god now is entering into a time where instead of waiting and listening and recovering and uh, being readied uh, we're we're entering into an active period this is the beauty now, in Acts chapter 3, you have the story of the lame man and Peter and John going up into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. He was there almost 40 years. We've talked about this a number of times from a number of different angles. Jesus undoubtedly passed by this guy a number of times. Um, and this man was not healed. He was still there. But here comes Peter and John, and they're going through the gate. Beautiful. Same word. Now, what's significant about this? 
Well, from a number of angles, uh, we view this. Number one, if you've taken the time to try to study the outlay of ancient Jerusalem, there, there is debate as to what gate this actually was. Now, um, one of the great um, historical writers of the day was Josephus. And he wrote, uh, he wrote on behalf of the Romans um, things about the history of the Jews. It's very fascinating to read him. You can buy very inexpensively um, his, his works. But he described this gate beautiful. He called it by other terms, but he, he, did, he did reference that this is what he was talking about as something that was ornately decorated with silver and gold in the Greek style and that it actually led into Solomon's porch and subsequently into the court of the Gentiles. Now, I think that's true. And I just want to throw this caveat out there. You're going to find a couple of commentaries who shoot that down and say something else. But you're going to find other commentaries who say that this is here. And the problem is we don't have an existence, a travel guide for Jerusalem from the time of Solomon's temple or even from the time of Herod's temple. We just guess. A lot of it's accurate, but with this, I'm just telling you up front, it's kind of contested. But the point for me is that Peter and John were coming there into Solomon's porch, which was basically in Herod's temple, a place where Gentiles could could come in. And the women, it was adjacent to the court of the women. There, there was a mixing of people. And um, that's, to me, a significant thing. Uh, beautiful here is timely. As we've, we've just tried to describe what this word meant. And so there was the idea that people from the nations could come in there and perhaps find fulfillment, perhaps find their moment of visitation with God. And with that mindset, this man, this lame man, sat there. You, you want to ask people for benevolent help when they're feeling good. You don't find many homeless guys um, begging outside of um, a soup kitchen. You just don't do that. You you try to, and not that I've ever done this, but you would think that you would want to be around people that were expecting, or maybe they're even thinking, I'm going to go in here and meet with God, so it wouldn't hurt me to do some benevolent act. Maybe that'll get his attention. So this guy was positioned there for many decades, and I'm sure if it wasn't a good strategy, after about the first year, he would have changed positions. But he was set up there for decades, and he's asking for something. And 
This was really the first miracle that Peter and John and the church was was going to manifest after Jesus ascended and um, that's the greatest miracle of all his crucifixion his resurrection his ascension but they have this so it really is saying this is this guy's timing this is the way things should be this is this is the way the church is going to begin to be manifested and you remember what happened after this man was healed uh, Peter fashions his eyes on the guy and says, uh, look on us, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. Wow. There's a lot in that. Perhaps we're entering into a time that God has told us would be a miraculous time, a time of healing, a time of freedom for those who will fill the tabernacle of David. It, it's time. I, I think, as we've said so often and prayed, you don't have to be a genius at world events to know that things are taking shape. And many of them are already in position for the time of the end. And um, I, uh, I think that it's time for us to see the greatest sowing, the greatest curating of young plants that has ever been in the history of the world. God promised that in the latter days there would be a visitation unlike any other. And uh, I don't know if the, the judgment in the house of the Lord We've certainly seen that, people choosing disparate pathways, choosing for themselves which way they would go. Um, I, I don't know really uh, whether that season is over, but I do believe that we're ready to enter into the beautiful, the beautiful gate, that timeliness, that timing of God, that springtime. And we, we come to this gathering, this Saints Network gathering, in a way to lay ourselves before God and to partner with him and to receive impartation on behalf of this stratagem. So the end result of this story is that the man was healed and he went about telling his story the Jewish leaders didn't like it. They threatened and mistreated Peter and John. Peter and John go back. They're praying with the saints there, offering supplication. And they're saying, I'm going to be even more bold than this. Speaking your name, Lord. The place is shaken. The Spirit falls on them again. Great things. Wouldn't it be great to, to expect that kind of visitation around the world? I believe God's going to do it. Be nice if we didn't have persecution. But here's a newsflash. We're already facing persecution. 
if and, and you know we got to look outside the bubble of where we are in America. Um, there are people around the world that are being persecuted for their faith, and it's it's happening. And you know I've heard some you could expect this, especially in the season the the where our world is, that would try to make the situation in Ukraine in Ukraine a racist thing. And you should be expecting that. That's the fail-safe. Why is everybody focused on Ukraine? It's not because they're white. It's because for the past five years, Russia has been the boogeyman of boogeymen, hasn't it? Russia sits on a massive nuclear um, salvo. And something weird's happening with Putin. He could thrust us into World War Three very quickly. Only God can save something. You know how many wars have begun by a mistake or a miscalculation? Um, so that's why people are focusing on it. That's why people are focusing on what's going on. Yeah, there are tragedies around the world, but none of them have their finger on a nuclear arsenal. And so, but but we see things happening and we recognize that we are really positioned for the last great visitation of the Spirit before it all really moves quickly into the things that are further prophesied in the Bible for the end times. So it's an exciting moment we've got to be ready for it but we've got to we've got to be prepared you know there we live through the kingdom now movement where they somehow convince themselves that if they did all the right things they could save the earth from what is prophesied in the scripture well how'd that work out well it didn't so I'm not saying that if we do everything right, that suddenly we can start ripping out pages of Revelation and Daniel. It's going to happen. And you could even say, well, the book of Revelation has already happened. Well, wake up. Wake up. You know how many hoops you have to dive through to make that statement? So it's the beautiful day. And we're we're about to see the Gentile world opened for the, 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 the gospel of the kingdom preached throughout all the world for witness, and then will the end come? The gospel of peace through the apostolic mission? We've got to pray and believe for that. And um, it's, it's really important to know that just because something is growing in springtime, that doesn't mean it's going to be... Um, it's going to make it through to the harvest. I remember one thing we had to do in, in uh, when I, where I grew up. We had oh, a little over an acre of land, and there was this really big, not a mountain, but between a hill and a mountain behind us, just forested. And so in our yard, we had crab apple trees, but we also had regular apple trees. And we had all kinds of wildlife that would come into our backyard. 
Well, we had to watch if we wanted to have any apples on those trees. We had to watch those deer that would come in because they would stand up on their hind legs and eat all of the buds off of the limbs of those trees. And so we had to watch for that. Seeing the budding on the tree didn't mean diddly if it was just a smorgasbord for the deers. So we would always have to prune the branches that would be outside of some of the reach of most of the deer. And if some of the bucks would come, they would stand on their haunches and move their rack around to try to knock branches down so that they could eat not only the the the, the little buds coming, but they they would even chew on for a little while they would chew on those tender branches for what was inside. It was really interesting to watch. But if we wanted to have... Now, we didn't care if they did it for the crab apples. That was doing us a favor because when those things harvested, they'd just fall on the ground and they 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 would just sour and they, they'd get corrupted. And you try mowing the lawn with those apples there. It was just weird. Now, I used to say this. There was a there was a lady here, really lovely lady, Barbara, and I'd say we couldn't do anything with those crab apples, and she said, "Well, we used to make crab apple jelly," and I thought, "Well, I'm not disputing that. I I wouldn't mind tasting it if it was any good, but we didn't have that recipe. So the point though is is that there's a lot of work in the springtime, and I, I we've seen going into a place where we're sowing the message around the world. And then uh, there are some that spring up and they find their fulfillment. And we've seen things come and ravage that. So we've got to have a lot of wisdom. This, This is playing for all the marbles now. The end times are upon us. So how beautiful are the feet means something. In a, in a new way for us, but it it does mean that um, we've got to be prepared for it. In our expectancy of breakthrough, um, these are things that we've got to fulfill. Now, there, one other time this word, particularly is used in the New Testament, it was used by Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 23... He is just going after the Pharisees and the scribes. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them blind guides. He calls them fools. He he just he just goes on and on. And I'm sure that Matthew took great delight. Uh, you know, thankful for all he wrote, but particularly to talk about <laughs> these these folks that he knew were corrupt. It was was really good. But then Jesus comes toward the end, and in verse 27 in Matthew 23, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like unto whitened sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful in the outward view, but are within full of dead man's bones 
and all uncleanness. And that uncleanness there is our word that we've studied a lot about unclean spirits, a kathos, which means something that is blocking the proper flow. Jesus says that the established religions of that day were hypocritical. They professed themselves to know the way, to be experts in things. They looked good on the outside, but they looked like they were the fulfillment. They looked like they were the, the, the fullness, that which would satisfy. But what was inside? Something that only celebrated people that have long been dead their experience, their belief. And over and over and over, we see churches who do that. But then you also have uncleanness. You you see things that purposely block the proper flow of the fulfillment of function. And, you know... I don't want to go too far with this, but Jesus, Jesus saying this, and I, you know, I look and on my lovely Bible app, these words are in red. Do you ever hear somebody who says, well, the only scriptures you can really believe are the words that are written in red in the New Testament. Everything else was man's opinion. That was a big thing that was said long ago, but Jesus is saying this, and he's directing it at the religious world, and there are a whole lot of religions. You know, progressivism is a religion. Um, the, 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 green, the green people are a religion, and they there are all kinds of you know the the uh how do i say this i don't want to open up cans of worms but just about in our world today anything that is a a theme whether it's rights for this group or rights for that group becomes a religion they have their own police force they have their own do's and don'ts they have their own agendas And they worship at that altar. And they promise fulfillment. They promise um, good things. It's the time for this. But inside is dead man's bones and the blockage of what is really right. So we say all this now, as I said, as a rhema. For us, I, I believe that we are and about to enter into the sending forth of our apostolic calling in this next phase of what God wants to do. And as we transition out of, you know, God said, you're transitioning, I'm changing you. And we came into the winter time of, of the spiritual progression. And so you had the double whammy of uh, this major turning of the page in the timetable of God, God wanting us to 
to be transitioned or transformed from what we had been serving, which was wonderful in God, into the next stage of what he requires. And those are taxing. But then you throw in the fact that the last major uh, visitation of God of this particular age, and I'm sure there will be a visitation during the time of tribulation. God speaks about that, but that's going to be such a raucous time um, that we probably won't even recognize. It's hard to almost recognize life now in in the world. But by that time, it will really be the twilight zone. But we're coming into this last great visitation of the Spirit. So you put all of those things together, and we've, we've been... We've been dealing with each of those factors, and it 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 really it's a it's a privileged moment that God would allow us to live now and to serve Him now at this crucial time. But if you don't understand what's going on, you 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 could be buffaloed. You could be totally caught off guard and fall away. And you, you know when when God says that there's going to be a judgment first, we have to remember what judgment means. Um it doesn't mean pointing a bony finger at people and telling them how they're screwed up. In the Bible, judgment means the actual application of what God intends that then yields to burning the function of the Lord. The spirit of judgment and burning is that. So if judgment must first begin in the house of the Lord. It's God saying, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my word. Are you going to align with this? Are you going to submit to be what I need? That's the true measure of judgment. Yeah, it will involve saying, Yes, Lord, I want that, so I'm going to lay down these areas where I'm missing the mark. But to just lay down things at the altar is the beginning. If you don't do something from there, what good has it done? You lay those things down. Some people stand up from the altar figuratively. They collect all those things and take them home with them. If you go to a meeting, you get imparted to, you hear about the the things from the scripture that speak into your life, you feel invigorated and you walk away and you just start doing the old things. What good is it? So judgment is aligning with what God wants. That has been visiting the house of the Lord. And I, I pray that we have been yielding to God in it. I know that many have not. There is a great falling away first. Some people have fallen away because they don't want to do it anymore. Some people fall away because their iniquities got a hold of them and they, the, their iniquities told them they weren't being fulfilled just by being what God made them to be. They wanted to be fulfilled by being something that they had their eye on. 
or people fell away because they listened to doctrines of devils. That judgment has been going on, and it's been an alignment. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will come and seek him? Who will draw near to him? Who will cherish his word? The function is about to be known. Springtime, the beautiful time, we're about to enter into. So, if there was ever a time that we needed to be in prayer, it's now. We don't want to be as a whitened sepulcher that looks beautiful on the outside. Even as saints, we don't want that. We must believe God. And we must align ourselves with him so that we can serve him in the days to come. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, don't forget, again, to um, register for the conference next week, uh, Understanding the Times. And um, let's be in prayer this week that asking God to do whatever it is that he has ordained to do during this time. You have not because you ask not. And be in prayer that we will be what we're supposed to be, each of us individually, and that um, for our brothers and sisters that nothing would stand in the way of their, uh, their required participation from the Lord. So, God bless you all. Thanks so much for joining, and uh, we'll look forward to being with you again real soon. Until then, goodbye.